You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning. How are we doing today, City Church? Pretty good. Good to see you. Yeah, we're celebrating our moms and uh, love our moms. And I want to say thank you guys to those of you who have reached out to my family this week. Uh, We had a loss in the family. My father-in-law passed away this past week, and I'm just so grateful for you, uh, the City Church family that's loved my family so much during this very difficult week with your love and prayers. And so again, thank you guys. We love you. And before we get into the word and study of the Bible today, why don't we bow for prayer and ask God to help us. Um, Father, I want to thank you for our church family who's ministered to me and my family very much this past week. And we love our parents and thank you for them. And I thank you for Pop and the way that he uh, set an example as a godly man and a godly father. And we thank you for our parents, Lord, and particularly today, our mothers. And we want to hug them just a little tighter, knowing that every day we get with them is a gift. Because someday they will not be here. And we're grateful for the precious time we get to enjoy them. And we pray these uh, things in the name of Jesus and for his sake, everyone said, amen. Well, as we begin today, I want to draw your attention to the screen, and you're going to see two squares there, one on top of the other, and to the naked eye, these squares look to be two different colors, right? I mean, the one on top looks to be a little darker gray, and the one on the bottom looks to be like a lighter shade of gray and white during certain parts, but what I want you to do is put your finger up, your pointer finger over the front of your eyes there, and put your pointer finger over where those two blocks come together. Uh, Some of you might need to use two fingers there, and when you do that, uh, your eyes will adjust, and you'll see that the two blocks are actually the same color. Are some of you seeing it? And uh, some of you who are not seeing it, um, I had a staff member couldn't see it this past week, that the blocks are actually the same colors. And what you can do is you can find this object online. You can cut, copy, and paste a square of one of these squares and drag it down to the other, and you'll see that literally these two squares are the same color. This is an optical illusion where images are perceived in a manner that differs from objective reality. And this doesn't just happen with um, optical illusions, but this happens in our spiritual lives as well. And we call it self-deception. When we believe in an alternate reality that does not align with objective reality. It doesn't just happen in our spiritual lives, it happens in business as well. If you look at this next chart on screen that comes from the book, How the Mighty Fall, a business book by Jim Collins, and he talks about the stages of a company's demise. And it starts out in phase one with a hubris born of success. So sometimes people get a little prideful when their companies are doing well. And then phase two is the undisciplined pursuit of more. It's just like, I want more money, more money, more money, right? But then uh, stage three is where you got to really watch out. And that is the phase of denial of risk and peril. This is the self-deception phase. And when a company, the leaders of a company, become self-deceived, that is the begin of a downhill 
slide of their demise. And then we see it goes to the next phase, stage four, grasping for salvation. They'll try anything, looking for a silver bullet. Then stage five, capitulation to irrelevance or death. And that chart came true in the company Circuit City. How many of you remember Circuit City back in the the electronics store, okay? Well, Circuit City and Best Buy were competitors back in the early 2000s. And so if you were going to buy a stereo or some type of electronic, you would shop those two. You would compare and contrast pricing there. But what happened was is that the shareholders of Circuit City uh, started seeing that the market was changing. And they went to the leaders of the company who held up past earnings reports and their pride and self-deception blinded them from seeing what was taking place. And so in 2009, uh, the company went bankrupt and they closed stores all over this country because they were self-deceived. Best Buy won the day. And this story tells us the truth that Jeremiah mentioned many years ago in the Bible in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Look at it with me. It says, the human heart is most deceitful of all things, and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So I'm not saying here that you're bad people, but I am saying the Bible teaches us that our human hearts have this propensity to deceive us. Your heart can trick you into believing that the squares are different colors. Your heart can trick you into self-deception and an alternate reality that will lead to a circuit city demise. And here are some of the ways that self-deception is destroying lives right here in our church as well as throughout our city. Uh, Have you ever met someone who's in the midst of an adulterous affair, uh, they're in a relationship with someone outside their marriage, and they say, well, this other person that I'm not married to is my soulmate, see? No, you're circuit city right now, and it's leading to your demise. You're self-deceived. Someone else says, well, I want to get more stuff that I cannot afford, and I'm just going to make that monthly payment, but then it ends up being this excessive credit card debt, and you're in a circuit city situation. You're self-deceived, and you've got to live within your means. Many in this room could tell stories of how they got self-deceived into this excessive debt that became um, like a prison financially. Then there's this other person. Have you ever met the person that has got relational tension all the time. I mean, they're always got uh, drama with the family and drama with people at work, but it's never their fault. It's always someone that they just don't understand me. No, you're circuit city. You're self-deceived, and it's time to look in the mirror. And then there are those who are, those of us that are trying to live by the biblical principles of sexuality, right? You're trying to reserve sex for marriage like the Bible intends, and you deceive yourself into thinking, well, um, you know what? I probably just should try it before I buy it, and that way I'll just move them in or move her into my apartment, and I'll be able to uh, make it through without succumbing to that temptation. No, circuit city, dude, self-deceived right there. And then there's those that say, I can uh, expose myself to these pornographic images over time. I mean, after all, I'm just looking. Nope, you're circuit city, you're self-deceived. And then there's James Harden, who thought he was gonna shoot a three-point shot to beat the Spurs in game five of the series there. Yep. 
You're self-deceived, James. In fact, you've inspired a new NBA logo that we'll show you on the screen there. And I'm having so much fun, I just want to show you one more. Go ahead and put the next one up, Stephanie, there. Yeah, so um, I'm having fun. Sorry, Rockets fans. We still love you, too. But uh, years, you know why I know so much about self-deception? is because years ago, my life was in a Circuit City condition. In fact, uh, during that time, I believed in an alternate reality that almost cost me my marriage and took me out of the ministry for a time and disappointed many hundreds of people. And I asked myself the question this past couple of weeks as I was preparing this service for you today, how did I move from a Circuit City life of self-deception to a best buy life that I'm experiencing now, my best life possible. Well, that answer is not real simple. It's multifaceted. But I can tell you this, is that one of the ways I was able to move from a circuit city life to a best buy life is that I countered self-deception with wise submission. And I wanna show you that on screen by way of our big idea for the conversation today. If you want to avoid self-deception, counter self-deception with wise submission. So uh, I say wise submission because you don't want to just submit to anyone, do you? And I'm going to give you some criteria for the type of person that you want to submit yourself to. Number one, it has to be a Bible-minded person. Because some people are really wise in their own eyes and they follow really the wisdom of the internet meme, but that's just someone's opinion, isn't it? And so we want to submit ourselves to people who understand and are trying to live by the Word of God. They don't have to be perfect, but they have to be a person with a biblical mindset and worldview. And number two, you want to submit to someone who has your best interests in mind. There are a lot of people that want to give you advice and tell you what to do and where to go, but they're not going to be there with you through the struggles and issues that you deal with. And then number three, you submit yourself to someone who is proven and tested, that they have been where you are oftentimes. And oftentimes, they're a person that's older than you. They're more experienced than you. They've lived some things, see? So these are the types of people that are wise to submit to. And today, we're gonna see the first time ever that submission is mentioned in the Bible, and that is actually what we call a hermeneutical principle. It's called the principle of first mention, and that just means a principle of interpretation. If you wanna understand a concept, then you look at the first time it was mentioned in the Bible, and that will dictate how that concept is going to play out throughout the rest of Scripture and even in our lives today. And the first time that we see submission in the Bible is in the Old Testament story of Hagar. Now, before I tell you the story, uh, you got to understand that there are a lot, of, a lot of Bible stories we don't like, and here's why we don't like them. Uh, not only do they tell us truths that we don't want to hear, but a lot of the Bible stories do not wrap up real clean, and the characters in those stories aren't cleaned up and as perfect as you and I would like them to be oftentimes. And that's one of the reasons I see the Bible as credible, because in our real lives today, we don't always have any, everything together, do we? And so these Bible characters, even the protagonists, the good guys, sometimes do some knucklehead kinds of things. So uh, this story today is a, 
uh, about Hagar and three characters, and I'm going to need some volunteers to help me tell my story. And so if you know me right now, you're in a dangerous position. So Malcolm, could you come down here and be one of my volunteers here? Uh, Malcolm, just stand like right here. And Genevieve and Shannon, could you guys come, come down here and help me out here? Um, so you got, Malcolm, you just stand right here. And one of you girls stand right next to Malcolm there. No, no, on the other side there between the, so right in the middle there, Shannon. There you go. Okay. So they're going to represent our characters in the Bible today, and my friend Malcolm here uh, is going to represent Abraham, okay? Uh, Abraham was the great father of the faith in the Bible, and then uh, Shannon is going to represent his wife, Sarah, okay? So would you guys mind to kind of lock arms just for a minute, because in the story, uh, you're married, and then this is going to be Hagar, Hagar, named after a pair of slacks, you know, and she is working for, she's the maid uh, working for Sarah here, see. So remember I told you that in real life they're sisters, okay, so there's not going to be any working for, you know, Sarah in real life. But anyways, in real life, these are all three uh, great human beings, but in the story, remember, they're imperfect. And so let me tell you some of their imperfections here. Abraham here, who's father of the faith, right, Father Abraham, um, you know what he did one time? He gave his wife over to a dude named Abimelech because he was trying to save his own hide. He, like, literally pimped out his wife. I mean, this is, this is Father Abraham right here. But Sarah, don't get too uppity about it, okay, because Sarah did something kind of weird, too. You know what she did? She, could, she, had, she was dealing with infertility problems and she wanted a baby so bad, she actually gave her maid, her employee, to Abraham to have a kid. How would that go, right? How, how does that go? That doesn't complicate matters, does it? Okay, well, uh, Hagar, don't get too snippy there or judgmental, uh, because once Hagar had the child, then she thought she was better than her boss who couldn't have children. And she started getting snippy with her boss. And you know what happened after she started getting snippy? Her boss started getting snippy back, and Hagar felt like she had to leave. So Hagar, would you like uh, walk 10 paces that way? And now Hagar's in a situation where she's a single mother. She's got this child. They don't have any food. It's brutally hot outside. They're about to die of starvation. She's wondering, God, what do you want me to do? Well, let's look at the scriptures and see what God says to her. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and what? Submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And so, Hagar, if you wouldn't mind to come back over here, uh, back with your uh, boss here in Sarah, Hagar submitted to her boss, even though she wasn't getting along with her boss, and God blessed her with a strong son, which is what every woman in that day wanted. Now, remember I said the Bible stories aren't always perfect like we would like? Her son was a little bit hard to get along with, but still, God blessed her with a son, a strong son, which is what every woman in that day wanted. God blessed her and showed her a new way of freedom. Would you guys thank my volunteers for helping tell the story uh, today? You guys can be seated.
So now when we fast forward to the New Testament of the Bible, uh, we see this concept of submission again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that word submit there is hupotasso, which is like a military term. It means to rank under another person. Now, when we read this in Ephesians 5 about submitting to another person, like wives to husbands or husbands to wife, we have these cultural filters that we interpret that and what it means. So a lot of people's cultural filters, when they hear this, wives submit to your husbands, they automatically think that that means, hey, the wife can't work outside the home, um, and that the wife has to just stay home and take care of kids all the time. Um, But if you look at Proverbs 31, you would see a woman who clearly had a small business that she ran. She had a job. And then if you look at Ephesians 6, you would see the responsibility of child rearing falls squarely on men and women in the home. And so we don't want to be too misogynistic or chauvinist in the way we see uh, wives submit to their husbands. When husbands submit to wives, does that mean that husbands always have to take out the garbage? Clearly self-deception, right? Um, That's what we have children for, so they can take out the garbage while the man stays on the couch and watch Sports Center as God intended him uh, to do. So submission, Uh, what does this mean here? Well, a part of submission is you get into the light. You get into the light, you live in the light, uh, and you don't have secrets here. So for husbands and wives, it means you submit access to cell phones, bank accounts, social networking sites, all email accounts, so that there's nothing to hide. See, there's no reason to hide anything. Uh, Men, if you're tempted with lust, you get into the light with a friend who uh, is wise. Ladies, if you're starting to have romantic feelings for a guy at work that is not your husband, you quickly get into the light so that uh, it doesn't mean the demise of your marriage. If you're tempted to abuse a substance, get into the light with someone wise who can help you keep from that temptation. Um, If you're having thoughts of depression or suicide, Get into the light. The reason that some of you are in a cloud of darkness is because there's not light of relationship in your life of someone else who knows about your depression. And some of you are having suicidal thoughts. And what's going through your mind today is, well, there's no one that cares about me anyway. There's no one that even cares if I'm not here. But I want to show you today that that is not true. Let me show you in this way. If you are a Bible-following Christ follower, and today you would be willing to listen to someone and pray with someone who feels suicidal today, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Okay, those of you, keep your hands up for a minute, even in the back room back there. And if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression, I want you to look all over this room. There are people all over this room that love you, that care about you, and would be willing to pray with you and minister to you, and they don't think they know it all, and they struggle too, but they would be willing to be there for you. You can put your hands down. Look, do not believe the lie that there's no one here for you, and you can go to someone and bring these feelings and thoughts into 
the light. Now, you got to understand that submission does not mean you're being a doormat. See, there are times when you should absolutely not submit. Do not submit when you're being abused or physically harmed or when a manager at work tries to get you to disobey a biblical mandate just to close a deal or to make more money. And we all know that when we hear the word submit, it's almost like a dirty word. I mean, we don't like that word. And you know why? Because we're Americans, and America was founded on revolution, right? So we love the wisdom of the Beastie Boys, right? When they say, you got to fight for your right to... Yeah, you know you're in the right church. (laughs) See? If you don't know, you're like, what was that all about? Who are the Beastie Boys, okay? Uh, Just Google it, man. Just, you know... Uh, Google it and you'll find out. Uh, Another reason we don't like to submit is because we've seen gullible people taken advantage of, taken advantage of by politicians or by our government who so polarized us, many of them, they've created an environment of intolerant partisanship where we can't even hardly have civil conversations with people who disagree with us politically, um, then we don't trust and we don't submit because of corporate entities like Volkswagen who cheated emissions tests for profits. And we think of corporations as like the man, right? And I I don't want to submit to the man. I got to stick it to the man. And then others feel that way because of churches, see? Uh, Churches where controlling leaders have taken advantage of people and never lifted a finger to really care for the people and help the people out of their problems. And this is why some people have said, you know what, I'm never going to church again. And I understand why in some cases. But that surfaces one of the largest barriers to submission. And you know what one of the biggest barriers to you and I being able to appropriately submit is? It's a wound. It's a wound on the inside, like perhaps when uh, a parent inflicted abusive words or actions on you, or for some of you, it's when your kids said stuff that they regretted, things where uh, uh, they use these venomous words and they underappreciated you, or it's when a spouse betrayed you, or a boss shafted you out of a promotion or uh, a raise. It's when a church leader hurt you. And so I think about this in light of my own personal wounds. Uh, Over the years, I've had to go to five different counselors for all my wounds. And I had to submit myself to counselors to deal with the wounds on the inside. And one of the counselors did an exercise with me that really helped me. This counselor did a role play with me where the counselor pretended to be the person who had hurt me. And the counselor said, I want you to imagine that uh, I am sitting here, the person who hurt you, who's not here today, and I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong for hurting you. And, And so the counselor just said, I was wrong for hurting you. Would you please forgive me? And it was very therapeutic for me to say, yes, I choose to forgive you. And then another time I went to a different counselor who was doing what we call spiritual warfare, kind of praying Uh, over me. And I've told this story many times over the years, and I intend to tell it many, many more times as long as God gives me breath to tell it, because it was so substantial in my spiritual growth and formation. Uh, But the counselor sensed that I was feeling defeated in my life, because at that time in my life, my marriage was just about done. 
I was out of the ministry, really struggling. I was very confused. I was depressed. I was very self-deceived. And the counselor led me through these um, spiritual declarations. And one of those declarations was, I am not defeated. He says, Doug, you feel like you're defeated. I want you to speak the words, I am not defeated. In my mind, I was thinking, I am not defeated. But my mouth said, I am defeated. And the counselor said, stop. I don't think you get this. You're supposed to say, I am not defeated. Try it again. I'm thinking, I am not defeated. But my mouth said, I am defeated. And that counselor stopped me, and he and his assistant prayed over me against demonic spirits of deception And I know that sounds odd to some of you, but after they said those prayers over me, they said, try it again. And I was able to think in my mind, I am not defeated, and say with my mouth, I am not defeated. And you know what happened there that day? It's like two clouds were lifted from my mind. One of those clouds was a cloud of depression. Have you ever felt depressed where it just feels like there's a dark cloud over your life? Well, the depression was gone. And the second cloud was self-deception. It was lifted. In fact, a couple of weeks after that encounter with that counselor, my wife told me, Doug, when you came home from that experience, it's like you were yourself again. It's like you were clear. You were seeing life more clearly. The self-deception was gone, and I was able um, to live out who I was in Christ. And you know, for some of you, God brought you here today for a couple of different reasons. One is that he wants to heal wounds, inner wounds in your heart. But another reason is, is to start the journey of healing. And to start a relationship with Christ, you just simply believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there to take the penalty for your sins. In fact, the Bible says, by his stripes, we're healed. See? His wounds heal our inner wounds. And so if you just say in your heart and mind right now between you and God, I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I welcome you into my life, that makes you a child of God. But would you let me work with you and minister to you for just a minute about some of your wounds? And some of you are thinking of a way that you were wounded or a way that a person has disappointed you. And would you let me do the little role play like the counselor did with me that day? And so here's the way this is going to work. I want you to imagine that I'm the person that hurt you. You got that person affixed to me now? And I want to say what that person, he or she should say if he or she were here today, standing before you. I was wrong for hurting you. Will you please forgive me? And if you can, just very quietly say, yes, I can can forgive. Say yes. Can we do that in the back room? Yes. Okay, good. And now I'd like to do another exercise with you. I think someone came here today feeling defeated. Defeated as a mom, defeated as an employee in your career, defeated in your marriage, defeated in the addiction, defeated in the relationship with your kid. 
defeated in your romantic life. And I'm here today to tell you, you're not defeated. And I want you here in just a minute to speak those words, make the declaration that I made with that counselor one day many years ago. And I'm going to lead you to say, I am not defeated. But you know, before you make that declaration, would you let me pray over you real quick so that we're prepared for that? So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And Lord Jesus, we come before you in all your power and all your glory and all your wisdom. And we say in the powerful name of Jesus that any demonic spirits of deception that would come over these people in these rooms that are deceiving our people that we love and that more than we love, you love. And we're praying that self-deception be bound and that each one here who chooses to would be set free set free from those demonic spirits that seek to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. I pray that we would no longer be self-deceived and we would not be divided because some are divided in relationships from children or from spouses or from parents or from co-workers and we're saying all that's gone and you may no longer, you demon spirits, you may no longer deceive our people and cause them to see the blocks in a different color. But reality is coming to this place. Spiritual, biblical, Holy Spirit-filled, Jesus-saturated reality is coming to our people today. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you, dear brothers and sisters, to say out loud with me the declaration, I am not defeated. Say it with me. I am not defeated. Let's say it again. I am not defeated. One more time. I am not defeated. I want you to say this next declaration. I've received my freedom. I received my freedom. Say this, self-deception be gone. Self-deception, you're gone. Self-deception, you are out of here. You have no right to me today. I'm a child of the living God. I've been purchased by Jesus Christ. I am free. I am free. Let's stand together and sing of our freedom today. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that you're bringing all over this room. And we long to live our best by lives of freedom and connection with you and others and joy and peace. And we thank you for it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. amen. You guys go ahead and take a Thanks look. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.